Yeah, so I think I just first just want to just ask God that, yeah, I just want to pray very quickly. I just, God, I just pray that whatever I've prepared, Lord, that you would just take what's of you and that you would bless us with what's of you, Lord. Um, and I just pray that it would just, all these words would just be for your glory, Jesus. Amen. So the theme for this weekend, shelter from the storm, I guess it's kind of been emerging for both of us uh, over the past few weeks. And I think it's going to be really interesting just to see where God's going to lead us through this theme and through everything he's put on our hearts and through the worship and through our conversations. Um, Psalm 107 has been on Rob's heart this last while and Hebrews 6.19 has played a significant role, I think, in what God's been saying to me over the last few weeks. And so those scriptures have kind of weaved this path for us to follow this weekend. But to begin, I feel I need to step out a little bit and be a bit vulnerable and share something that's been happening for me personally over the last few weeks. I don't know about any of you guys, but anybody who knows me well will know that one of the areas in my life that I constantly struggle with is perseverance. Mostly persevering in healthy eating and exercise, um, but also, you know, persevering in parenting, persevering with Rob. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just an ongoing. <laughs> Preach it, brother. Um, but, you know, also persevering in faith. And last term, the, especially coming up to Christmas, I was very aware of a disconnect between myself and God. It's funny, Ruth, you mentioned a dryness. I very much relate. So I kind of felt that, yes, I was reading my Bible. Yes, I was praying. But it had all become just a little bit functional, I think is the word I would use. Um, I was reading my Bible to prepare for talks in church. I was reading my Bible for Bible studies on a Wednesday morning. I was praying for other people, but I wasn't really in conversation with God. I wasn't really in communion with him. I wasn't living out of that place of response to him and out of a place of joy in his strength, so to speak. And if I'm honest, I think I also had begun also to feel a bit weary with the constant pushback and negativity that, that I sense towards Christianity sometimes in our culture and in our city and in just our lives. And I realized as this new year began that all that I was feeling really simply added up to a lack of intimacy between me and Jesus. And I realized that I missed him. I really missed him. And the Holy Spirit began prompting me and inviting me to come a bit closer. And probably because I was in that place of awareness, I came across a devotional um, called the 40-Day Sugar Fast. Yeah, now again, anybody who knows me well would be like, what, are you serious? <laughs> Dillis doesn't do fasting and she's addicted to sugar. Now this is going to be interesting. Um, 
but there was a group of women online who were following this devotional, following this book, and thought, okay, in a moment of madness, I signed up. And I bought the book, and I actually signed up online, which is very unlike me. But I felt it was really the right thing to do, even though it seemed really hard. It was the 6th of January start. Rob was going to India. I was on my own at home with the kids. I thought, this is not the week to start this. But anyway, off I went. And it's been an amazing journey for me. Now, this, this was not a diet. This was a tool to draw closer to God. This was giving up the sweetness of sugar for the true sweetness of relationship with Jesus. And turning to him instead of turning to the treats. And I didn't even know how to do that, if I'm honest. I'd hit that 3 p.m. slump in the afternoon. I was like, okay, hey, we're not going to have the biscuit. Okay, I need to pray, right? Okay, Jesus, help me not to eat the biscuit. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, time went on, the weeks went by, and I learned what to do in that moment and how to connect with him again. And I just thank God, and with the Spirit's enabling, I did persevere. I can't say I was 40 days fully off sugar, I have to be honest. But there was many, many days in sequence where I said no and I persevered, and it was just such a blessing. And I've come out the end of that with just a fresh closeness with God, a fresh understanding that only He truly satisfies. And I don't know if I ever really had got to that place fully before. So it's been a real time of redemption and peace for me. And I just felt it was important to share that from where I'm coming from. Because I suppose what it's heightened in me uh, to impart and to go after and to encourage us in is a fresh leaning in to that importance of perseverance in our faith journey. And how that perseverance which is really only enabled by God's love for us and by his Holy Spirit, that perseverance becomes part of the shelter in our storms. Does that make sense? When you persevere, it becomes part of what you sit under and what shelters us. And as we went into worship this evening, as I encourage you to think about your journey so far with Jesus and that is something I think I'd encourage you to do, to continue to do this weekend in your own time. Maybe you've been on the road with him a long time. Maybe you're just beginning out on that road with him. But as I said, ask the Lord to show you and remind you how you've traveled together. Ask him to show you where he's been active in your life, even when maybe you didn't think that he was. So as we read through um, the Psalm 107, did any words, did any phrases kind of start to stick out for you? If they did, I just encourage you to underline them, remember them. I think the narrative of journey and of the story of our continuing rebellion and God's continuing rescue in Psalm 107 is really, really powerful. There's the overarching story of our redemption through Jesus that stands out in these words, but I think there's also the opportunity to see our, our own very individual journeys in the words of this psalm. And as you look back on your journey or consider your present, maybe you can see 
your life in the words of this, this psalm. Now maybe it will take you a while. I've maybe had a bit longer with it. Uh, but I know I really was very surprised by what God reminded me of as I read some of these words. And for me, it really sparked some repentance, but it also just really sparked so much thanksgiving in my heart as I read through these words. Particularly, some of us once wandered in the wilderness like desert nomads with no true direction or dwelling place. Some of us once sat in darkness, living in the dark shadows of death. We were prisoners to our pain, chained to our regrets. So he humbled us through our circumstances, watching us as we stumbled with no one there to pick us back up. Our own pain became our punishment. But then we cried out, Lord, help us, rescue us. And he did. And as I looked back, it really reminded me of a period in my life when I really, really struggled to stay close to God. It was during when I was in my mid-twenties. I was traveling a lot. I was abroad. I was doing the backpacker trail in Australia and I was really at times struggling to stay true to who I was in Jesus and even though now I have great memories of that time I had a blast and I saw amazing places and I met wonderful people but spiritually spiritually it was quite a dark time and at times I felt really really lost in myself and when I came home, when I came back to Ireland, after a while, I also spiritually came home. And like the prodigal returning to the father, but, but as it describes in this psalm, I did go through a time of being chained to my regrets. That line really stood out for me. And I found it really hard to forgive myself for the way I had lived or certain things that I had done that again I just felt were not true to who I was in Jesus as I traveled. And because of that unforgiveness, I tried to run away from myself and my faith again. But the Lord stopped me and I went through a time of God deeply humbling me. Now there just isn't time. I'm going to spare you the details, okay? If you really want to know, you might get it out of me over G&T later, okay? Maybe. Um, but I felt, I, I feel I really truly lived verse 12. God had to watch me stumble with no one to pick me up. And I truly felt the pain of my own punishment, of what I felt I'd brought on myself. But God used that. He used that pain that I felt in a beautiful way because... That pain pushed me to that point of crying out to him to rescue me. And he did. He did. It was during that time that I audibly heard the voice of God for the first time. I heard him speak to me. I learned so much about communicating personally with him. And I experienced his peace. And I knew, I knew that I would never turn away from him again. And I guess I tell you that as an encouragement, 
to look back and remember your journey. I hadn't really thought about that for a long time. Thankfully, I have let it go and forgiven myself and moved on. But it was helpful to go back there and just read the words of that psalm and just see what God had done for me. Because we can become complacent and we can take for granted our connection and our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And we can take for granted all that he's done for us. But God is always there. God is always there watching and waiting to rescue. And remembering that daily helps us persevere in our ongoing journey with him. So I feel that looking, looking back at God has done, that really gives us peace. And then looking forward to all that he will do is what gives us hope. And hope is one of our themes for this weekend. You're living, you're living two lives now. A temporary existence bound up in the flesh and an everlasting life bound up in the spirit. This is a quote from the devotional that I did over these few weeks. And it, it's really, really stuck with me. You're living two lives now. A temporary existence bound up in the flesh and an everlasting life bound up in the spirit. And we live in that tension. We live in that tension of what we can see and what we can't see. And the temporary and the eternal. And we're daily experiencing everything tangibly that the world has to offer, the good and the bad. And alongside that, we get to, to live spiritually in the everlasting kingdom of God. Now that's an amazing perspective to actually get our heads and our hearts around, that we get to do that, temporary and eternal, all day, every day. So this point, I think I just want to read that, that few verses from Hebrews around the main verse about being anchored. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. Now, I, as I said, mentioned, I go to a Bible study every Wednesday morning. And this year, we are looking at um, Acts and the, and the Epistles. And in January, we were looking at the book of Hebrews. And it really struck me that this letter was been written to a group of believers who were beginning to grow a bit weary and they were beginning to lose heart. That's why the writer of Hebrews sent this letter. And he, he or she, actually don't know who wrote it, Simone, um, the writer addresses this by reminding the believers of the superiority of Jesus. He writes and tells and says that Jesus' covenant, his covenant, his sacrifice, his priesthood, 
was better than anything that had ever come before and was better than anything that was ever coming after. And I guess I felt that that kind of corresponded for me for some of what I was feeling at the time. And I felt that as a church, we also need that encouragement in the culture that we're in today where society and values and ways of life are changing so fast, where we're just bombarded with opinion and information just 24-7. And where being a Christian is, it's a hard thing. It's not a popular thing right now. And even though there feels like this, there's this kind of cultural call to tolerance of all things, I feel that it can sometimes feel like it's tolerance of all things but Christian things. I don't know if any of you feel the same or have experienced that sense in your workplaces or with your friends or on Facebook. There's so much in this world, I think, to rock the boat, to blow us over, to push us out into these stormy seas. And I love this quote from John Eldridge, I think it is, in his book, All Things New. He says, in an untethered world, we need a hope that can anchor us. I sometimes feel that I am in that untethered world. And I'm so thankful that there's this steadiness that holds me, that holds us. And I believe that for us as church family, as church community, I think that God really wants to plant something eternal in our hearts this weekend, in the midst of our temporary existence. And I believe it's to equip us for who we are and for who he wants us to be and for where he's placed us. And I think it's rooted in verse 19, which you've all received in your little welcome packs, hopefully, maybe some of you haven't yet. But we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Now I think this verse also for me possibly jumped out, and Wilson will know why, right? Wilson, you're a BB boy. <laughs> so my dad was very involved in the boys' brigade. For any of you who know, the boys' brigade's motto was sure and steadfast, right? And their logo was an anchor. I grew up with this in my home. Wilson, do you want to do some marching or anything? Or <laughs> no. Anyone else who doesn't know the boys' brigade won't get this. I'm sorry. Wrong time of year. Okay. But because it had been part of my childhood, I, I recognized the anchor and the sure and steadfast, but I actually had never known that it was a verse in the Bible. I'd never read it in Hebrews before. So I think that was also God using a part of my journey, a part of my looking back, to remind me of him at work. And scripture names hope as one of the three great forces of human existence. Three things that will last forever are faith, hope, and love, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. They're like immortal powers, if you like. If you think about your existence, about your life without love and faith and hope, it's quite meaningless, it's painful, it's a painful existence without those three things. And hope is crucial to persevering in faith. To hope means to be confidently looking forward to something you fully expect to happen. And Christian hope, it isn't just wistful thinking. Christian hope 
is the confident assurance in Christ who holds our future firm and secure for his glory and for our good. And as the end of verse 19 says, it is a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. Now this is a picture really of the Holy of Holies behind the curtain in the temple where only the high priest could enter once a year on the Day of Atonement where he would sacrifice for the sins of the people. But when Jesus died, that curtain was torn and now because he has entered that heavenly sanctuary, we get to go too. He's our forerunner there and where he has gone, we can go too. He was the all-sufficient sacrifice made to cover all of our sin. No more sacrifice needed. Jesus is our hope. And he plays the critical role as the anchor for our soul. Bethan made this beautiful anchor, as you can see over here. And Sam has painted a beautiful anchor, which we're going to use as a little tool of response afterwards. An anchor is something that serves to hold an object firmly in place. It keeps it from drifting. So as you use the visuals this weekend, just have that sense of being held. You can't drift. Jesus is holding you fast in position. And how we envision our future shapes our current experience. How we look forward and what we believe is ahead, it shapes our current experience. And our hope is in Jesus, in his promise of the renewal of all things. Our promised resurrection and eternity with him is our hope. The promised future for every believer is a restored life and peace with God. That's what's promised to us. And I think that's why I love that quote about the temporary and the everlasting. We need to live out of that place. That's what's promised to us. Our hope in that promise is what should keep us from drifting in this untethered place, in this untethered world. And a boat is anchored to the seabed to keep it from drifting. But I guess we essentially are anchored to that heavenly sanctuary where Jesus has gone already. And we are anchored to him. Hope keeps our soul at rest. Anchored in that heavenly harbor. I like that picture. And we're encouraged to hold fast to that hope. Knowing Firstly, I think that we are held fast. We are enabled by the Spirit still to hold, but we're enabled to do it. We are held fast. So I think if I could ask Sherry maybe to, to come back up. I just want to ask a few questions to help you maybe respond, to help you maybe think through What's God saying to you tonight? What would you say is the great hope of your life? 
What do you feel you're anchored to? Are you anchored to Jesus? Or do you sometimes choose the weaker anchors of the world? Is there a sense of drifting in your faith? I know that's where I was before Christmas. Not so much in my faith, but just drifting in my connection with God. Is there an area in your life that maybe you're losing hope in? I just pray you'd allow God to remind you tonight what your true hope is in and that he would minister to you in that place maybe where you feel you're losing hope. Bring that to God tonight. Maybe have someone pray for you and, and looking back on your journey, how has God anchored you and enabled you to stand firm as you've followed him every day and give thanks for what you know that he's done for you. Hold fast to the hope we have as an anchor for our soul and it will keep us steady and it will give us shelter in the storm. So I'd love us to go back into a time of worship. Use this time to truly think about what God's saying to your heart. Sherry's going to sing a couple of songs for us, over us, with us. We have this beautiful painting, as I said, that Sam has done for us. If anyone feels they, you know, really like to give a physical response, be creative and get out of your seat and do something to mark what God is saying, or just even, yeah, if you want to come up, what, what Chloe's preparing is just to, to put some fingerprints around this anchor. Our fingerprints are so unique. And it's a sign of knowing our hope is in Jesus, knowing that we're his precious children, and that we have an understanding that we're held fast to him, anchored to him forever. I'll just finish with some more of the words from Psalm 107. His light broke through the darkness and he led us out in freedom from death's dark shadow and snapped every one of our chains. For he smashed through heavy prison doors and he shattered the steel bars that held us back just to set us free. Jesus Jesus, you are our hope. And we declare that here tonight. God, you are our hope. Father, I pray for those of us who still feel a little chained. God, I pray that you would smash through those doors over this weekend. I thank you, God for that amazing image of an anchor that we don't have to drift, Father. That in an untethered world, Father, that we are so connected and held by you. May we live in that shelter, Jesus.
And we give you glory for what you've done, for going through that curtain for us. Thank you, Jesus. In your precious name. Amen.